happy day of beer tasting, Ms. Emily Reese, radio host and jazz, classical music extraordinaire, as I like to call you. You have 17 probably other titles that I'm not <laughs> going to use. I'm just glad to be here, and I'm ready to taste some beer with you too, sommelier Jill Mott, the person who teaches me about any kind of beverage that's fermented, usually has alcohol in it, uh, and I appreciate that very much about you. <laughs> We were going to do switching roles. We've done a couple of them in the past, and, and people have asked us to do more of them because they're fun. Emily teaches me about wine or beer or something, yeah. and I teach Emily about, you know, and all of you, of course, about a musician or a composer or something. And Emily ended up getting the best thank you gift from a friend yeah. ever in the form of a message. I mean, barring like a million dollars, yeah, it's a pretty good thank you message. And so can you... Can you explain? Yeah, so I'm uh, taking care of a friend's cat, my friend Holly. And she said, you know, thanks for taking care of the cat. I left something for you. And so I went in to take care of the cat the first night. Comet. Comet is his name. He's a, a piece little, of work. I've been told <laughs> verbatim he's a little ass. He's, he's a little blooper. Yeah, he, he can be not the kindest but he's also can be the sweetest and he's very handsome. So you kind of let him get away with stuff because he's so handsome. But in any event, I went to feed him that first night and there are four tall boy beer cans on the kitchen table and with a series of notes alongside them. And, you know, because craft beer, they all have these really creative... Well, they're not always really creative, but they have funny they names. Have names. Yeah, they have names. They, they, they name their beers, which it, when I first started experiencing that completely turned me off, honestly, because I didn't know what any of it meant. But, you know, now that you know what an IPA is or whatever, you're like, oh, okay, they just decided to name their IPA. So she made a little series of notes out of these um, And I'm gonna, beer I'm gonna, cans. And I'm going to preface first because the beer's names... Yeah. I'm going to list them first so oh, people yeah. can kind of know we can say it we can you can list the you know the note beers together. So the yeah. first beer we're going to taste was the first beer in the message. And it's called Chunk by a brewery called Drecker. Chunk, you know, and Comet is not a small kitty. He's he's not overweight by any means. He's just big. He's just a large cat. Yeah. Then there's Crash Landing, that's a beer. There's Lakeside Kolsch, and then there is Live Bait. Those are the beers we're going to taste, the names of the beers. So go ahead, Emily, with the message. So there's these post-it notes, thanks for checking on my chonk while I'm crash landing, lakeside. Sorry that he'll treat you like Live Bait. (laughs) (laughs) They were obviously like interspersed between the cans. So Emily, we were like, oh my gosh, wait, homage to Miss Holly. Yeah. Let's taste some beers yeah. on scores and pours. And we had never tasted any of these. And one of them is a new brewery to me. So that'll, that's, I'm always looking to tra- taste a new brewery. Yeah. So I don't know. Should, shall we? Yeah. Crack it open. Chonk. Chonk. Whoa, it smells like dessert. Now, we, some of these would not be, we wouldn't taste them in this order, but we thought to, you know, do right by the message, we should taste them. In the order that the message was deciphered. Yes. Ooh, it's red. Thank you. Of course. And 
thank you to all of our patrons here at Scores and Pours. We couldn't do this without you. You've had a few new patrons as of late, and we couldn't thank you enough. You can go and support Scores and Pours via our Patreon page, patreon.com slash scores and pours. We have various levels for you to support us at. They all include patron-only content, but in some cases you get some merch sent to you from us. And you can also, if you want extra merch or if you're a $5 patron, you can go on there and buy some merch. So there's that too. And if you can't support us right now, consider this our gift to you. We love doing it. We're on Instagram at uh, scores and pours, and we're also on Twitter at scores and pours. So come check us out, DM us or send us a message or tweet us if you have any questions, any show ideas, anything along those lines, we'd love to chat with you. Well, cheers to scores and pours and to Ms. Holly. Cheers, Holly, and scores and pours. And Comet. Okay, so Drecker, they're a brewery out of Fargo, North Dakota. Yeah. And this is their chunk. Merica cake. Merica cake. Merica cake. Spell it. How like, did they spell it? Hashtag Merica. I know, but did they spell it like M-E-R-I-K-A or something? C-A. C-A. Apostrophe, Merica cake, Sunday sour. Okay. And it smells like a Sunday. It smells like a cake. Mm-hmm. Dark it, cherries. It really does smell like cherry cake. Thick. Whoa. This is wow. crazy. Mm-hmm. Sour, a little sour, like sour enough to balance all that sweetness. Sweetness. Yep. Now, what I like about this brewery is, first of all, Drecker, just to give a little bit of perspective, they became really big, really quick, and not necessarily size big, but popularity. Like, if a decent size wine beer shop, spirits place, liquor store, we'll say. <laughs> let's just say liquor store, <laughs> can get Drecker. They'll get as much as they can because people will come in and they'll go through 50 cases of Drecker upon release in a, Crazy. In a morning. Wow. Okay? And they're known for their hoppy beers, their IPAs. Well, they've jumped on the sour, fruity, sour, cakey train. Mm, mm-hmm. And I like that on the back, they talk about the beer. They don't say how much alcohol is in here, but they say, you know, the malts, the hops, the flora that's used because they do use a little bit of lactobacillus Ooh. and a, a house ale yeast in order to ferment and give this little sour nature. But then it says gimmicks, strawberry, blueberry, banana, cake batter, vanilla beans, lactose. <laughs> <laughs> and so they don't say like fruit or whatever. They're like gimmicks because yeah. it's kind of a gimmicky thing, but it's delicious. Yes. If you're into like that sweeter kind of a little bit of, I don't know, this, to me, this is a dessert in a glass. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's really delicious. And we were out at a brewery uh, just a night or so ago with some friends and this particular brewery, which is delicious, has delicious beers, also has slushies. And this would be like a delicious slushy too, oh, like yeah. that beer was, you know? Holy cow, yeah. Yeah. Po- make it like, pour two of these in a blender with a little bit of ice. <laughs> That'd be good. Yeah, that's a weird scores and pours thing to say, but I kind of, I would drink it. <laughs> I think I would at least try it and probably with a smile on my face. It's true. Now, th- when I said that Drecker got big, fast, uh, and popularity, I do want to say... They have plans to expand because of their popularity. So they have, since 2018, they've grown 350% in terms of trying to keep up with market demand. And in December of 2020, they announced that they're going to be spending $20 million. I don't know how they only think this is going to cost them $20 million, (laughs) but they have a place called Brewhalla. Okay. And they are going to expand to include apartments, kind of Airbnb situation kind of things for people slash hotel. They're going to have like a market for people to come and get like cool food with the beer. And then they're going to expand obviously their brew pub because the largest 
amount of inquiries they get on a topic is, can we get married at your brewery? Really? <laughs> so they, yeah, so they want to have a space where people can like get married, have a ton of people come and visit and whatnot. Wow. Um, and yeah, they're just, they're, they're, they're making good beer. They're making great IPAs and apparently dessert in a glass too. Chonk. Cheers to Chonk. Cheers to Comet. This is a Comet. The comet, Chonk. The Chonk. So you prepared some music today. How did, did you, did Holly inspire this music? Did Comet inspire this music? Was it just like, I'm going to taste random off-the-cuff beers inspire this playlist? Well, Holly mentioned that she'd be lakeside. And so I was like, lakes, let's think about lakes. And yes. uh, there's a couple of great piano pieces that have to do with lakes. And then there's a jazz pianist. Uh, so the two I just mentioned, a couple of uh, piano pieces by lakes are classical works. One by Ray Fon Williams, who was a British composer, and one by Edvard Grieg, who was Norwegian. And then a jazz pianist who, uh, there is a lake that shares his name, although the lake was not named for him. But <laughs> it was a close enough connection for me. Let's go ahead and listen to the piece by Ray Fon Williams. Um, just to give you some perspective, Ray Fon Williams was alive from uh, the 1870s into the 1950s. And he wrote this piece for piano in 1947. It was the last piece of, that he wrote for piano. He didn't write a lot of piano music. He wasn't a very good pianist himself. And so, you know, surely that impacted that, that he didn't write a ton of solo piano music. But this is one of those great pieces. And uh, it's fun because it utilizes a scale that we've talked about before on uh, Scores and Pours, the pentatonic scale. You'll hear often uh, throughout this piece. So let's go ahead and listen to a little bit of it. It's about a five, six minute little ditty for solo piano by Ray Fon Williams. Now, before you push play, Emily, can I ask you to explain the pentatonic scale for folks just in case they decide not to go back to episode 64.2 and listen? <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, yeah. Okay. So at its simplest, the pentatonic scale, just it just means it's a five note scale. Beyond that, there are many iterations of pentatonic scales, particularly in Japanese culture and in the music of Japan. But in Western culture, and kind of what we focused on in our episode of Scores and Pours, were the two major and minor pentatonic scales that are most ubiquitous in classical music. And they're basically scales that don't really have dissonance in them. So okay. they're... They're and really just pretty. So when you say five, you mean five as opposed to seven? Yep. So okay. the traditional major scale in Western music would have seven notes, and then mm -hmm. you repeat the bottom note again to yep. round it out, right? And a pentatonic scale would have five, and then you'd repeat the bottom note again to round okay. it out. This piece by Ray Fon Williams is called The Lake in the Mountains. Granted, Holly won't be at any lake near any mountains. We don't have those in Minnesota. They'll be rolling hillsides. It'll be flat and windy. Yeah. <laughs> if it were in the wintertime, Holly might not come back on time because there'd be like whiteouts. Yeah, it would take Shit her like 17 hours. Yeah. She's probably going to be eating cake though. I mean, up in the North Woods and you stop places, there's like dessert, when people have desserts, it's like pie and cake. Lots really? of pies, lots of cake. cake? She Instagrammed something about pie today, and I was like, yes, Holly. And this this beer, 
I mean, we're just, this is like two yeah. peas in a pod right here. This beer has cake batter and it tastes like cake. It's it a, does. kind of incredible. It's, it, it is incredible. Next time I go to my, uh, I have, you know, nieces that have birthday parties and stuff. And I'm going to be like, uh, Hey brother, sister-in-law, I don't really eat a lot of cake, but can you get me a beer that has some cake batter in it, please? That sounds like <laughs> right up my alley. Here's Ray Fon Williams. love that rocking motion. Hardly ever do we try to like pair wine and music, right? Like this sounds good with this. We've done it a little bit, but yeah. we, but like all I want is like a white Iced tea, you know, yeah. like I want tea, maybe a red wine, but like, because mm. I, I was thinking of this beer and this music, and I was like, hell's no, right? No, <laughs> yeah, no. I mean, but, that and, was not I, but my not, intent. And that, but and just to throw that point in there, because it's fun to sometimes when what you're drinking tastes really good with what you're listening to, which happens mm-hmm. sometimes here in Scores and More. I just would love to be just on a raft in a lake listening to this. Hey, Emily, I should probably rinse out your glass because your uh, glass is going to smell like cake. And that reminds me of... Baby, baby, come eat some of this cake. Now we have upon us... The Brewing Project. So this is Crash Landing. That's the name of it, Crash Landing. And... From the brewery, the Brewing Project, which I've always enjoyed. Brewing Project with a K. Yeah. And they're out of Eau Claire, Wisconsin. Their focus is really on IPAs, hazies, stuff like that. They do some funky other stuff. They, The first beer I ever had by them was maybe three, four summers ago, and it was a blueberry lager. And I wasn't expecting much, and it was de-flipping-licious. Nice. So ever since then, I've, I've played around tasting more of their beers. I liked most of them. And so when Holly said, I'll be crash landing, yeah, you know, up north, she got us some crash landing. This is a double IPA. Whoa. So m- we'd probably taste this or the Drecker last, but yeah. in, in line with the message, this is number two. It's got Mosaic hops, Simcoe hops, and then Nelson Salvan hops, which are, are from the Nelson Salvan. They hail from New Zealand, and they tend to have like that kind of s- characteristic Sauvignon Blanc-y, like really passion fruity, tropical, citrusy nice. quality to them. Um, 8.7% God, alcohol. Good Lord. Down the hatch. Thanks, Ollie. <laughs> 
Ooh, danky, ranky hops on mm-hmm. the nose. Oh, it's danky on the palate too. I love that. Oh yeah. Like bruised pineapple on the nose. Wait till you taste it. Mm-hmm. Marries well with the malts too. Like it kind of enhances the malt characteristic a little bit. It's definitely malty. Definitely citrusy. And yeah, like orangey pineapple-y citrusy. And what's interesting is the bitterness on the finish is almost like a coffee-like bitterness. Like it's obviously it yeah. comes from the hops. Yeah. But it's it's not too aggressive and it's kind of or like cocoa nibs you know it's got like a not just pure hop type of bitterness and which is really fun really pleasant at 8.7 my problem is I'm having pizza I'm having this in a tall boy I love to pour it in a glass because I love to see the color and love to see how the head retention is in a a nice clean glass Mm -hmm. problem is I'm going to get through this can in about 45 minutes with some pizza. Yeah. And then while friends and I are playing cards or playing music or whatever we're doing, I'm going to be like, yeah, I'll have, hey, Jill, you want another? Sure. Oops. Yeah. 8.7? Yeah. 8.7. It's a lot of alcohol in a beer, folks. <laughs> it's thick-ish. It's unfiltered, it looks like. It's thick-ish and you, you can, what's kind of fascinating is that bitterness starts before you even get to the end. Like yeah. the bitterness starts like a quarter of the way through the palate. Yeah, that that is fascinating to me. And the the pineappleiness of it is surprise surprises me too. The art on the front of the can is hilarious. It's got like what looks like a skull slash zombie in an astronaut suit that has the <laughs> Bring Project emblem on the front uh, that has crash landed somewhere on a blueish planet. We'll just say Neptune because it looks like the color of Neptune <laughs> with a purple sky and uh, it's flipping great. It's good stuff. Are you into it? Like if, you know, obviously she gave you a can. Oh yeah. And we're tasting it now and we both think it's delicious. If you bought a four pack of this, you'd be able to get through the four pack, not in a night, but you'd be able to get through a four pack, right? Oh, easily. Okay. Yeah, no, this is delicious. But again, this is one that, yeah, I'd want one. And then I'd want my low alcohol Kolsch or my pills or something so I could keep drinking the night away. Because if I drank more than one of these, I wouldn't be able to do that. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Ms. Emily Reese, so I could keep drinking the night away. Okay. So what are we going to listen <laughs> and to? And keep my wits about me. Um, well, now let's listen to a little Edvard Grieg. Um, I, I mentioned a moment ago that Ray Von Williams didn't write very much keyboard music or piano music, because pianos were definitely in vogue at the time. Uh, Edvard Grieg wrote a ton of piano music, tons and tons and tons, uh, several volumes of what he called lyric pieces. These were just small little solo piano works, almost always with descriptive titles of some kind. Sometimes they were called like waltz or nocturne or something like that, but um, often they had very descriptive titles like the butterfly or whatever. Um, like the alien comes down in a spacesuit looking like a skull and crash lands on the net. Vi- okay. <laughs> but Grieg, uh, Grieg was a little bit older than Von Williams. So uh, I mentioned that Von Williams was born in the 1870s. Well, Grieg was born in the 1840s and died in 1907. Grieg and Von Williams shared a very uh, another very common trait where they were both very interested in the folk music of their homeland. So Von Williams was into like English sea songs and English folk music. Grieg was really into the Norwegian equivalent of that, Norwegian folk music, and wrote a number of 
pieces for piano and other instruments too, based off of Norwegian folk music. And so this is, uh, this piece we'll hear, which is called In Ola Valley in Ola Lake, is from one of his sets of Norwegian folk songs, Opus 66 for piano. So let's have a listen. Do you hear the rocking? Yes. We heard that in the Vaughn Williams three, as well. One, two, three, one, two, three. It sounds like that to me. It sounds like the either mm-hmm. th- three, four, or six, eight, maybe. Yeah. I'd have to look, but. Yep. this isn't the 8.7% alcohol talking, but I like hear this and my grandmother's uh, on her side. I think if you go far enough back, it's Icelandic, but we'll just say Norway to please her because she's resting in her grave and I don't want to piss her off because she's got amazing energy that Lord knows it can travel. And this kind of makes me emotional because it sounds like her, Mm. even though she didn't really listen to a lot of music like this, it sounds like where my grandma's from. Nice. She's from Western uh, Norway in a in a village called Trudheim, or her her grandparents were. We talked about session beers and session music um, in the episode a few few back from this one and. Grieg is a really good choice for that as well. His solo piano music is just so pleasant and lovely to have on as you're just going about your day. It's a really, really good choice for that as well. I could also see like having this on in the morning, like right after you've made your coffee mm-hmm. and you might only have 10 minutes to sit and kind of look out the window before you have to go and bust out, be productive, take care of the kids, whatever people do in the, you know, in the yeah. morning. And this sounds like... What a peaceful yeah. five minutes. Yeah, you know? definitely. Definitely. A peaceful five minutes for me tomorrow. I'm going to put it on. <laughs> I don't know how peaceful it would be if I drank two of these crash landings, so at eight point whatever. Well, you know, thank gosh there's only one. I know. What's up next, though? So this one's for Holly that she, you know, crash landed lakeside because she's up in War Road, somewhat close to Lake of the Woods. I just know that War Road is basically in Canada. So Lake of the Woods Brewing Company, that's what we're tasting now. They're Lakeside Kolsch or Kolsch-style beer. And they have three breweries, all in provinces that touch Lake of the Woods. So War Road in that area in the United States, and then Ontario and Manitoba. Nice. And what's cool about this beer is uh, there are a couple features. The first one is that it's naturally carbonated. Amazing. So that is really hard to achieve in a Kolsch, and it's really only found in very few examples that are domestic, which you'll taste that it's a lot more integrated. It might feel softer, but it's not as like Pepsi-Cola-like. Yeah, yeah. 
or I should say soda-like. I'm not going to like pick Call on up. Pepsi. Yeah. Once in a while, I want a Diet Coke while I'm having pizza. Interesting. I know. Yeah. That's like on one of those, I'm not drinking for a week, and then I have Pepsi, and I'm like, is this really better for me than a beer? Yeah. Mm, probably not. smells like grains. Yeah, it does. I love that. Mm. Wow, it's very pleasant. Yeah, it tastes like the beach. Mm-hmm. Mm. It really does. Um, hence the name Lakeside. And it's only 5% alcohol, which is great. Not Perfect. only a session beer, yeah, but, an, you know, verging on maybe a little high, what some people would think, but I think a session beer. And perfect for this style. A lot of times, a, so a Kolsch is, and I love that they say this too, it says German style lagered ale. So okay. it's an ale, even though people see the color and taste it, and they're like, oh, it's a lager. It's an ale that's made with an ale yeast, a coal yeast, mm-hmm. and then this new beer, has it's cellared for a very long time. Well, it's aged and fermented, very low temperature, very slow. So instead of like a, f- a faster, more furious ale fermentation, okay. it's done like a lager, low, slow. So the aromatics are much more in a... Smaller window of opportunity to that's why lager a lot of people think lagers smell the same. Well, they don't, they're just the window of adjectives that we can use is hmm. less interesting because of that low and slow. Okay, another cool thing about this beer is it's made with a German hop called Herzbrucker. Nice, and also Saz hops, a Czech hop. But the Herzbrucker is a hop that I've really, I, I'm sure I've tasted, but wasn't didn't know I was tasting it because it's around in the world, mostly cultivated in Germany, sometimes even organically, but it was bred to be resistant to verticillium wilt, which verticillium wilt is a fungal disease. And it was meant to sort of be a substitute for the very famous Hollertau. And then people realized like, wow, Hollertau, you know, has its properties that we like. And the Herzbrucker has, has X properties. So it's pretty fun. I don't know. What do you I think about, it. what do you think about the hop profile? Like how does it, cause nobody really smells hops in a beer like this. It's more about how it feels on the end of the palate, the bitterness. This is not a very bitter beer. It has that, um, but it's just light and delicious and refreshing and crisp. Well, that crisp, that's the hop. There you go. Yep. So the hop presence is just not aromatic and it's not overly bitter. And yeah. there's not an excessive amount. So all of those things is what makes the double IPA. We're like, wow, the bitter comes in right away. It smells yeah. like pineapples. Yeah. The, in this case, it's all about just keeping the malts in check and keeping this fine-tuned little package yeah. refreshing. Yeah. Um, that's a fun effort. I love it. Thanks, Holly. Yeah. Three for three. That's great. When you're not in the mood for cakey. <laughs> and you're laying by the lakeside. Have a lakeside coals from Lake of the Woods. Amazing. Well, there is a lake in New Mexico named Bill Evans Lake. What? <laughs> I know. It's got nothing to do with the pianist at all. How, but what? Really? Who did? What, how he's a politician. Oh. I, you know, who knows? Okay. I don't know. Someone important in New Mexico. I just read is enough he a Republican? to know I don't know. All okay. I know is that it's not the pianist. Okay. But I was like, well, still, that's cool. There's Bill Evans Lake, and I would like to pretend in my head that it was named for the pianist. Uh, let's pretend. Let's pretend. And let's pretend then that there's a certain stance, and then if they're not, then let's just pretend that it's a nice human. <laughs> yeah. Okay. 
Bill Evans, uh, you know, obviously a pianist, and I chose a tune. He's he recorded a, a few different times. Uh, standard. It's a song by Irving Berlin called "How Deep Is the Ocean." And um, the lyrics are actually really sweet in that song. You know, it's like, how much do I love you? Well, how deep is the ocean? How high is the sky? You know, it's just really poetic and beautiful love song, as many Irving Berlin songs are. And so we'll hear him with what most people consider to be his best trio. Bill Evans um, often recorded in a trio setting, so piano-based drums. He did other amazing projects as well, but there's so, so, so much trio music by Bill Evans, and a lot of people think the best trio was with a bassist named Scott LaFaro, who uh, started recording with Bill Evans when he was like two, I swear to God. He was a double bass player, and he was incredible, and he died in a car crash in... um, 1961, like three months after this album was recorded at the age of 25. So Scott LaFaro on the bass and then a drummer named Paul Modian. It looks like motion spelled wrong, but it's pronounced Modian. And so uh, we'll hear Paul Modian on the drums, Scott LaFaro on the bass and Bill Evans playing How Deep Is the Ocean from February in 1961. What's interesting about this is he's not even played the melody yet. He doesn't do it till the end. So, you know, unless you know the f- melody, you're not going to know what tune this is. So that's not terribly common in jazz, but it happens in certain recordings where artists will choose to just kind of improvise over the chords right away and then bring back the melody at the end. So where did the Bill Evans Lake in New Mexico come in to play? Just because it's a lake? Because it's water? (laughs) The water theme? I love it. I think there's there should be, I'd never be a shortage of attachments to themes. So I love that it's like, there's a lake called this and now I want to listen to that artist. Yeah. Good. So I I had him on the brain, Bill Evans, because there's just been a new release of a uh, recording he made in the Netherlands. Bill Evans has been dead since I think 1980 or 81. So this, you know, as years go on, recordings get unearthed or remastered or the like, and a brand new release came out from Bill Evans that he had recorded in the 60s in the Netherlands. And it's called... Uh, Bill Evans Behind the Dykes. And so I was going to try and play something from that, but it's not available for streaming yet. And so then I was just like, well, damn it, I'm playing some Bill Evans. Is there anything that he recorded that has anything to do with a lake? And so you type in Bill Evans Lake, and oh. <laughs> you get Bill Evans Lake in Red, New Mexico. Red, Piper, I Red, know. Red, <laughs> so Bill Evans, Red, Red. I'm like, all right, fine, we'll settle for this. And, uh, you know, it's just a nice excuse to get in some Bill Evans. And again... Honestly, every beer we've had thus far goes perfectly with this tune. Like yeah, that's this true. tune, it, Bill Evans, man, you just you can't go wrong. Well, I should a quick little aside is the red red. I I think we've talked about it on scores and scores yeah. once or twice before. But when Emily and I make a, you know, we make a a note of red red. My little niece Piper, her favorite color at one point was red, and then there was like I need to only have red things in my world. Very much like David Bowie, I think we also made that parallel. Yeah. And so now. And so it was like, Tia Jill, I want this red thing and that red thing, and I want my sandwich to be red, and why can't my water be red? All the things red. 
maybe not to that extreme, but kind of. <laughs> and so now whenever Emily and I are either on like, we need to do this, we need to do this, yep. there's just immediate red, red. Yeah. We'll just say, well, I'm kind of red, red about it right now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it just makes all the oh, sense. thanks to my little cashew butter. <laughs> Let's try one more beer. Let's do it. Yeah, I just opened beer and it projectiled into my eyeball. <laughs> that was really weird, the way that opened. So this is live bait. This is also a reddish color, not as deep red as the Drecker. Kind of looks like if Hawaiian Punch were real yeah. in its, in its yep. color. Yeah. Instead of being like bright red, it's kind of like a burnt red. Mm-hmm. Live bait. This is what the cat can treat you as. The, the ho- Holly's cat has opinions to comment to comment it also there's a shark on the can so to sharks to sharks we love our sharks here at scores and pours Ooh, this one smells much more tart yeah lean acidic passion fruity it kind of tastes like an adult juice box it does and this is from black stack brewing they're local here they're in saint paul they're good yeah we've enjoyed black stack this is uh, 6.9 percent alcohol and it has blood orange there's a little cherry passion fruit there's a little key lime mm. and i think very adequately now we've talked here on the the show about how much i don't i can appreciate i can taste beers like this but i generally don't gravitate towards like buying a four pack of beers like this for sure just they get to be whether it's too sweet too fruity yeah and this i think is actually out of the two kind of sweeter not my style beers Mm -hmm. this is probably i i I think i i think i prefer this one because it tastes like blood orange it it tastes like all the fruits but not purees and now if they're using purees that's fine yeah because most breweries do but it tastes like this isn't as thick to me, which I like. Mm-hmm. It's it's less of a mouthful. Like it's kind of hard to describe, but the, there's so much more texture to that first one. And again, I loved that one too. But this is like it's more juicy than would, like yeah. smoothie. Well, it's, I was just that's a that's a better example than I was going to say because I was going to say it's more like a juice box than it is a dessert. Yeah, but uh, that's a better description. More like juice as opposed to a smoothie. Yeah, like, like that first one I wanted in a slushy. This one I don't know what I would think of in a. This might be a better snow cone than a slushy. Roll with that distinction. I know. I was. I'm like rolling my <laughs> eyes like, over like, here, kind of thinking about it. I'm not. Sure. It's six point nine percent alcohol, so that makes me a little worried. Only because I could easily get through a can. I have way more of a problem with this one than I do the double IPA because this one you could easily get through a can, and if you're playing cards or pizza, things like that, that you're like having fun and you're paying attention to your beer. Obviously, hopefully you are, you should, but like, oops. I know. This this is oops squared. This is oops squared. The other reason, because it doesn't have that thickness to it, it's not, it doesn't feel as filling as that first one did. You know what though? It it actually, I'm glad that we have had this. Hey, you know what? Good talk, Emily Reese. I'm (laughs) glad that we had this conversation because it does kind of feel like the mid palate gets thicker yeah. the longer it sits in my glass. Sure. So now maybe I'd want a can and then I'd flip to one. Okay, so if you were to only pick one beer to have a four-pack of, what would you have? 
Oh, the Kolsch. I mean, that's so predictable, though. I don't think anyone would be surprised if they've listened to Scores and Bores. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> that Kolsch, I loved it. I love a good, light, crisp beer. What do. Which one would I get? Ooh, that's a good question. Either this one or the double. Well, you're cl- kind of close. I would actually, being a Libra, I'd be like, well, nowadays you can get, you can make your own four pack. Yeah. <laughs> so exactly probably, what Holly did. I'd do, yeah, exactly. So I would do two of the Kolsch and two of the double. Nice. This I really like, but I just tend to, I, I tend to get a little bit confused with all the fruits, you know? Yeah. So, I mean, when it, at the end of the day, I really want my beer to taste like beer. And some people um, are really into sours and fruity beers. And, and, you know, I think we talk about this every time we bring one of these beers on the show. It's like, yeah, I want one, but I'm not going to go buy them probably. And I probably won't order one out. You know, I just, I want a beer that tastes like beer. Well, and also the probability of like, there's a lot of people that say, oh, well, when you have a fruited sour or like a lactose beer, like the first beer that like makes it thicker and richer. Yeah. yeah. That those things can hide a lot of flaws in brewing that you couldn't get away with, you know, making a Kolsch. Right. And putting lactose that you'd like that beer, that whole beer would fall apart, right? Yeah. So that's, and, but other times you're like, yeah, but it's fun and you're going out of the comfort zone and you're making something that maybe someone who normally doesn't drink beer now is drinking a beer. Exactly. And so that's a cool point to mention too when we're thinking about these fruited beers is it kind of opens opens the market but then again just like the fruited beer we talked about in our what the f show yeah like should we call them something else because they have malt and they have hops mm-hmm. and they have usually effervescence and they have alcohol because they're beer should we call them something else because they have this fruit component, this lactose component? Like they've gone kind of into a world of almost like healthy, healthy adult beverages. Like, you know, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> well, kind yeah. of healthy adult beverages, if that's even a thing. Yeah, I don't know, but that's for another conversation. Yeah. Well, to scores and pours, should we go out on a little Bill Evans? Yeah, let's just listen to Bill Evans play a little bit more of How Deep Is the Ocean. And uh, cheers. Thanks again, Holly and Comet. I'll see you soon. Thank you for listening to this episode of Scores and Fours with Jill Mott and Emily Reese. You can find a beer list and a playlist and support us financially at patreon.com slash scores and pours. We also have a link there to take you to uh, buy some merchandise like hoodies and tees, corkscrews, stickers, all the cool scores and pours merch. We are on Instagram at scores and pours and we are also on Twitter at scores and pours. Consider supporting the musicians we featured today by buying their music. Edited by Emily Reese and Jill Mott. Our producer is Mr. Samuel Keenan. Scores and Pours is a production of June Media, Inc. 